Harvard up. We have had to conform to a certain social game. And so we are in a constant state of competition. In terms of that competition, we can, of course, lose place. And in that sense, make mistakes. This is the secret. You can't make a mistake. Welcome, everybody, to Friends of Failure. I'm your host, Sam, and this is my co-host, Megan. Ew. And uh, we're back at it again, doing that thing where it's it's the two of us talking. Just we're talking. Just talking it out, guys. Dude, so it's been, it's been warm. Um, uh, uh, I'd say more than warm, like the pits of hell kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's gotten to the point where there there would be days that were like kind of humid and you know you'd be in the gym talking to people that you see on a regular basis because if you go at the same time you know there's a, a community of people that just naturally forms unless you're like reclusive then people just leave you alone right and um, you know being a social butterfly I talk to people but there's always that like banter uh, in the gym that's similar to the like let's talk about the weather and it would be like man it's like humid in here right and, and you'd be like, yeah, dude, I'm sweating a lot more. And like, it's like, you know, stuffy in here. It's kind of that vibe now. Like it's just gotten so hot and it never cools off. Like, I mean, at 4 a.m. it'll be 85 degrees outside. Yeah, um, and by 6 a.m. it's 90, which it's not just here. I mean, I think uh, at least across the United States, they're getting heat waves like yeah. nobody's business. <laughs> but like I'm at the point, I don't even want to bring it up anymore. It happened today. I was listening, right? <laughs> and, and I looked over... Uh, at my buddy and I and I wanted to say it like man is it hot in here but I was like it's hot everywhere like at least we're not working out in my car that's been reading 108 almost every time I get into it now I think it's stuck uh, I think it's just broken yeah at this point it's an unavoidable heat and you can't help but bring it up because it's all that you deal with when you walk outside you know how when you bake enough things you you eventually figure it out right you open the oven doors let some of that hot air come out and then you look at like whatever's in there or go for it right you don't just stick your face into the belligerent heat pouring out of the oven it's at that point with my car like i i open the car i i take like 10 steps back a flamethrower you know just <laughs> blows at me and then it really doesn't help because once you get in the car it's still it's sizzling you know yeah, I, I feel like I got my baptism like into the heat because my AC was out for two weeks. And then just like dealing with that, I had a place to stay, so it was fine. But dealing with that, nothing bugs me anymore. Like I hate it. I still don't like that it's hot, but I just accepted I'm going to be warm and uncomfortable for the next few months. And that is just yeah, it. Yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. And I, I think it's one of those things where maybe in your case, you just got to a point of like, fuck it. And then, you yeah. know, you were desensitized, but there are people that lean into that shit. Like my, my brother's one of those people. I'm pretty sure we talked about it when we first started, but we, we, we decided to do that 75 hard challenge for 75 days. You know, you're listening to books and, and listening to mentalities of people who have done just insane stuff. And one of the ones that my, my brother kind of stuck with uh, was David Goggins. You can't hurt me. Yeah. I believe that's the title. I'm going to be so sad if I said it wrong. Uh, I'm going to get backhanded later, right? 
but it's uh it's one of those things where you know my, my brother was like okay i'm picking up what he's putting down now we both listened to it uh so we could talk about it but neither one of us were going to like go and try to become navy seals right that that's david goggins <laughs> david goggins became a navy seal but he also transcended human beings that dude is some yeah he's next, next level, level. Yeah. It, it's insane i i've tried to wrap my head around it but uh he does inspire me sometimes and so my brother, his way of leaning into it, especially because we were doing it about this time uh, of the year, he was wearing like a uh, like a rain jacket and he'd zip it up, have the hoodie on and he'd run. Oof. And and he would just I mean, he would open it up and sweat would pour out of it. And it was one of those things where I was like, man, this kid's crazy. But at the time, he was also working a job where he was always outside. And he was always working on like the streets. So you have the asphalt and the sun, God forbid it's cloudy. And then it's just like a a convection oven or whatever. And so for him, it's the same thing that you went through where you just get to a point where you're like, you can't kill me with heat. I'm invincible. You know, I mean, technically you could, I'm pretty sure I got brain damage during that, but it's fine. This is, (laughs) this is your brain. This is your brain in the summertime. And it's just like a sizzling egg. Um, (laughs) But so, yeah, I, I think I, I think we're in for a real treat this year. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see 120. I don't know. Maybe we'll push it. Uh, I'll be moving north. Yeah, you just won't hear from me for a little bit. And I'll be like, hey, I'm in Canada. I, I mean, I talked to someone who's in Chicago and they're like, dude, we hit the I think it was like the high 90s. And I was like, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and then the, and then the next day it was like 74 degrees. And you're like, OK, <laughs> it's belligerent. I don't know, man. Quite frankly, it's like, I'd rather deal with this than the cold every time. Every nah, time. I'd rather freeze to death. I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah. Make me an ice cube. Sounds great. P- people, people always go, but Sam, you know, in, in the wintertime, you can always add more clothing. And, and in the summertime, like, you can only take off so much. And I'm like, one, that's not true. I mean, you could take off all of it. It's just you're going to have consequences. And two... Okay, great. Yeah, you have a good point. You can just keep adding layers. What if you don't like layers? What if you don't like wearing clothes? <laughs> you expect me to force myself to wear like two pairs of gloves and eight pairs of socks and like a jacket? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, dude, I am glad that you have like working AC again because that. Yeah, it's a relief. Like I, I'm not complaining. I, I may be forged by the heat, but I don't want to stay in it. So it's good. Yeah. I mean, that's like, uh, I remember when my grandfather was alive, my dad would have to like legit be like, dude, you have to turn on your AC. And he'd be like, I ain't spent, like, I, we don't need it yet. Yeah. It ain't even that hot. And it's like, he'd be like stuck to his recliner because he sweated so much. Like he, he was, he was fusing to the, to the recliner because he was just so sticky and gross from the heat. It's not even that hot. And I'm like, comparatively maybe not but i was like at some point you have to just shut up and listen right like yeah. turn on the ac so you know uh, it is what it is i guess at least we're not in like houston or somewhere that's really really humid yeah it could be worse because it could, I, it could be i spent worse. a long time in that swampy place <laughs> um and that's how we segue into failure no um <laughs> houston <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know when you're driving up towards houston because you just start sweating yeah, dude. So, you know, we we were kind of, I guess, talking about some stuff and we thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about on here, which was failure 
and how like it will apply to hobbies. Yeah. Um, which is, which is interesting because, you know, at, at what point can you call something a hobby and at what point is it like work? Like what's the difference between a hobby and a job? Right. So like, if you, if you're doing your hobby and making money, is it still your hobby or is it now your job and your hobby? Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone can define that sort of for themselves, but if you're supporting yourself on your hobby, I feel like it's a, a job at that point. Maybe so you could no call it a, a hobby, a passion, maybe just get rid of both of those words and name it something completely different. <laughs> I was hoping that I was setting that up. So you'd say the word jobby, but now <laughs> it's not a, it's not a hobby and it's not a job. It's a jobby. And then they're like, what do you do for a living? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because I have been in a, I've been very grateful for it. It's uh, super uncomfortable for anybody that like goes through it in, in any level, I think, but when you really take responsibility of your self-development and you, I guess, pick a spot and like start there. And so with me, I recently identified that it's been a, it's a mental game for sure. And a lack of desire to deal with that. And then I just kind of hit that point where like, I was just tired of my shit to be frank. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm suffering when I avoid suffering and I'm suffering when I embrace suffering. So I'm going to go ahead and suffer and make it worth something. And one of the things was, is, you know, I, I felt like I had identified that, you know, whether I liked the, the, the sound of it or not, like I am a quitter. And I've said that to a few people. I said it to you, a couple of other people. I said it to my brother. And of course, like, especially you know, because the people I've said that to in terms of just like, this is what I've been thinking about, whatever the immediate response is like, well, I care about this person. And it's like, why it doesn't matter if it's me saying it or someone else would be like, why are you talking shit about my friend or brother or whatever? Right. And so it's like, Hey dude, like you're not a quitter. And like, when I explained it to my brother, he was kind of like, all right, man. He's like, I kind of see where you're coming from because there's some things that if it's not serving you, like you, you should quit. Right. Like it's the whole thing of, my, my friend said this the other day it's like uh you go to you, you go to vegas and you know you you put a hundred dollars and you lose it and you're like okay well i'm already a hundred dollars in so i'm gonna do another hundred i'm already two hundred dollars deep i might as well keep playing to dig myself out quit while you're ahead. yeah yeah that is a very good time to quit right that is a stopping point right um and so i agree with that uh that there's there's accuracy and and the truth of that but when I, when I really started looking at it, when I apply a quitter to a lot of the jobs that I quit, it was because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to force myself to stay as a career. Right. And Mm -hmm. some of these places I was there for three months. Some of those places I would be there for a year, obviously in the Marines, whether I wanted to quit or not didn't matter because, you know, I signed a contract and uh, what, like, what are you going to do? You're like in the middle of you know, the desert or like in a different country, like doing training. And it's like, you know what, I'm done. And it's like, cool. How are you going to get back to the United States? You idiot. Um, But anyway, I wonder if I would have quit that too, you know? And so I started really looking back and I have this one memory of, I remember being like, I guess for the sake of the person, I won't say who it was, but uh, I was talking to uh, an adult when I was a kid and I was like, you know, I want, I think I want to be an Olympic runner. Like I love to run all the time. And I was a very hyper energetic kid. Like, I guess I still am. It's just 
it hurts a lot more, you know? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> a lot more bones are popping, but, um, <laughs> but it, it was like, Hey man, like it's too late. Like, you know, you're already like seven years old. Like if you were going to be an Olympic runner, like you should have been like dedicated to that a long time ago. And I was a kid and, uh, you know, probably still in the realm of like my original paradigm was forming like your, your, you know, first paradigm, I guess. And I just took it as truth of like, Oh, well, like, dang, I, I guess that makes sense. And it happened a couple of times, honestly, throughout like my youth where it'd be like, you know what? Like, I really want to do this thing. And it'd be like, ah, oh, man, you're not going to be able to do that. Cause like, you know, your family's not rich. Yeah. Like, as if that, like, you know how many stories there are? Well, and the, we kind of put those limits on ourselves. Like for me, I played softball since T-ball all the way to high school. Loved it. Was a huge fan. Enjoyed it. And then I got to high school level and I was like, okay, time to like maybe get a scholarship and use this. Maybe I'll play in college. I did one year of high school ball and was kind of just, I don't know, had to choose, do I work and get car insurance and fuel money? Um, You know, actually be able to go do teenage things or do I commit all my time to playing the sport and really go all in? And I was a teenager. So I was like, nah. (laughs) I'm going to go get a job at a Chinese restaurant and that's a way better use of my time. So dude, did you, did you get free Chinese food? Fuck yeah. And a burn. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have this scar on my chest from getting impaled by a, what is it? A, a fortune cookie. How did you get impaled by a fortune cookie? Nah, it's it was... just egg drop soup. <laughs> Got <Ooh>. me bad. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like battery acid. Jesus. Never forget. Yeah. Oh, um, but you know, uh, that brings up a good point too. Of there, there were things that I, so I had to have a moment where I was like, Hey, I'd rather take full responsibility of like how I feel and what's happening in my life than what I used to do, which was kind of a, a hybrid of kind of taking responsibility, but also like, I'm a victim. Like these things are happening to me. Right. Instead of yeah. like, we'll go, like, I, I didn't, I'd never heard the phrase, like life is happening for you. And as a kid, I would have been like, what? <laughs> what does like, it mean yeah what <laughs> so it kind of created this thing where it was like why even start anything because I can't do it right like that the, the things that I wanted to do however you know that was me lacking the responsibility of like having the conviction to be like nah F that I'm gonna try it until like maybe I can't but then there were other things so I really enjoyed singing not that I was good at it I just enjoyed making yeah. noises i i was like uh i was like the the dude from police academy have no, you ever seen that no <laughs> i i hate that i can't remember his name the the actor but uh he was like a, a pretty funny dude but he could he was impeccable with the way he could make noises like if he had a microphone and you couldn't see him and somebody was like you know do emotions he could make all the noises of what was happening um i feel like i know who you're talking about now yeah yeah so I was like that as a kid. I, I was just a noisemaker. And part of that was I really enjoyed music. And so another noise I could make was try to sing. So instead of doing band, I went choir because you always have to have, yeah, you know, whatever. And I think I had a fairly decent voice, but I remember it changed a lot when my voice changed. My voice cracked like a few times, but it basically was like overnight. I woke up and went from like singing. I had the capacity to sing, you know, as a male, I was a tenor, but I could sing all the way up to soprano. 
it was ridiculous. And then overnight, it sounds like I gargle glass when I talk. I, <laughs> you know, and I remember like my choir teacher being, <laughs> she called uh, a lot of the, the choir guys because uh, end of summer, we would help set up risers and help get the classroom set up because we were so strong. And she had called the house and my voice had changed so much that she thought I was my dad. <laughs> and, I, and I had to be like, yo, dude, hey, you know, whatever. So I remember all of a sudden I started to doubt my ability to, I didn't think I was good anymore because I, my it range changed. had changed. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. Uh, and then after like three years, went to high school and they take it way more serious when you get to that level. And I was like, I'm not about, it was the same thing with your softball thing. I was like, I'm not going to be here every day after school. Yeah. Soon. And so I quit. But I also look at that as like, I kind of outgrew it. Like I, I ran the course long enough that I really had a great time and realized I had stage fright. Um, and then was able to go, hey, I did it. I enjoyed it. I don't want to do it anymore. So that's different than being a quitter. And I 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, I think sometimes passions or hobbies, you kind of chase that are presented with like a choice. And it's not necessarily that you're quitting or giving up, but it's just not working for your life, right? Like, I'm not going to play professional softball. It was never really a true want or goal for me. And that's not a bad thing. Like I, right. I played adult softball a few years ago and I still love the sport. Uh, but I realized I don't take it as seriously anymore. Um, and that's probably why I didn't work out in high school. I just want to have fun with it. And I think I told you about this. It was a team that ended in like men yelling at each other, grown men and like women crying. And I was like, I'm done. This, this is a whole nother thing. So it's okay to be like, eh. I don't feel it anymore. Still love it, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause like, uh, you know, obviously when you sit there and you go, okay, I'm trying to be honest with myself and I wanted to rip some like band-aids off because I knew it's, it's a easier one in my opinion to identify like, man, maybe I've been a quitter most of my life and I wasn't even like acknowledging it because I would just make an excuse and move on. And there were times that legitimately I like quit. Like I was just like, I, I, I'm not willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to develop a skill. And I would just quit yeah. or, you know, like there's no denying. I have very much like the squirrel and I you move on to the next thing, you know? So in ripping off a bandaid like that, it would be like, Hey, I'm practicing to rip off bigger band-aids that are like, Hey dude, maybe you don't love yourself. And then opening that door and trying to comprehend it. Right. So whenever I start thinking about these things. One of something that's important to me is to at least try to acknowledge the other end of the spectrum where maybe I'm performing. Like what are things that I didn't quit? Right. Because is it possible that I've quit every single thing I've ever done? Sure. But I was like, I doubt it. And so like the gym is something that I started in high school, technically middle school, because they, they have you do it in like athletics, like during the off season. Right. Which is you like bench press. I mean, it's probably different now, but you know, four, 400 years ago, um, <laughs> and it, it would be like bench press, you do some overhead press, you do like running, you know, do some crunches. And I enjoyed it because deep, deep down inside, I've always been like a meathead, I guess. And it only, I just kept entering things that perpetuated me getting better at it. Right. So went to high school, uh, and had opportunities to lift weights still wasn't anything great, but I was still doing it and you know, figuring out my body. 
And that's really what exercise should be about is like understanding your, you know, what, what do I call it? A mech suit. And it was easier for me to deal with the physical self than it was the like mental side or the emotional side of things. Right. So obviously the Marines, I had to exercise, I guess you didn't have to, but I definitely did. And then I had a couple of moments like the, the first four years out of the Marines, but then there was a, a moment where I committed and I've just never stopped. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of like hobbies. What it really is initially is you trying to find out what's going to stick. So inevitably there's going to be things that you fail at or you don't like, or you don't like enough to keep pursuing, but like you and I both have things that have stuck for you, the gym, for me, like, even though it's ebbed and flowed, depending on my time and where I'm at in life, I feel like art and writing have been a constant. Like I've always liked it and come back to that and feel good when I do that. And then another thing, like I kind of want to acknowledge too, is I don't feel some people beat themselves up if they don't do something super consistently or like once a week or set some crazy goal, do it every day. It doesn't mean you're quitting a hobby if you don't do it for a while. Like I didn't paint for a few years and then picked it up over COVID again. And it just felt like I got right back to it. And then it opened the avenue for like ceramics and other things too. So it's okay to like take a break and then try to work it back into a routine somehow, or just do it when you feel like doing it. Uh, Some of my like less committed hobbies, like writing, I have been writing something for, I don't know, like five years and I'm just at 20,000 words, but I only write when I like feel compelled to like write something in it. And Mm -hmm. that's what works best for me. I don't want to force it and ruin the story because I made myself write so much every day. Uh, It's funny because I had a conversation with my friend this morning. She, she's been writing on something for, for a long time. And she, she's, I think has multiple projects and she's like, I don't know, I just don't have time or like writing something is intimidating because you're, you're creating, right? Like we're all so used to just consuming all the time, but we never think about, well, what am I actually, what am I creating and putting out there? So one thing I said to her is I was like, you know, it's a lot different when you're trying to like write a book or create art because you know where if i'm working at um oh god i need an example if i if i'm in the marine corps right like i i'm not going to quit my job i have to do my job and there are times where like i'm about it right like i'm motivated and i want to do it and i use that feeling and i i put it into the work there's other times where you know you always hear like discipline right discipline yeah. is making yourself do the work even though you don't want to do it however I feel like it's got to be different whenever it comes to things like writing and art where you can be disciplined in trying to create the proper environment and work on where do I most comfortably start to produce for the book. So you can instigate and have discipline of instigating more often the environment and maybe the the opportunity for writing, but then having the like, hey, right now is not the time. Like I, I've I've never looked at me writing as a hobby because I've never worked on it to get better. I just go and word vomit. And then, you know, it's really just for me. I think I'm really just venting it. Maybe it's like, it's journaling. I don't, I don't know what to call it anymore. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, I think the kind of beautiful thing about hobbies is it doesn't have to be professional grade. Like, yes, eventually maybe I could turn what I'm writing into a book. That would be cool. But I could also never show another living soul and just enjoy that I got that story out. And the same Mm -hmm. with whatever you're writing, if it's poetry or just short little kind of word vomit things, it's still 
a passion or like a hobby, something that drives you and gets some kind of result. And then it doesn't really, because the, the beauty of art, it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks of it. It's subjective. Completely subjective. I could go get a canvas and just slash a red paint on it and be like, it's art. There you go. And for me, maybe it means something super deep. And then you look at it and you're like, it looks like you fell and like broke your nose, but good for you. And that's it. That would be a piece of art of like, how did you make this? I actually tripped, (laughs) smashed my face into this canvas and I just bled everywhere. Um, that and in a, frantic, <laughs> in a frantic attempt to clean it up, I just created God's work. Well, and, and so it, it's weird for me to think about the gym as a hobby because in some cases of my life, you know, I felt it was necessary, right? And the Marines because of like physical performance, but even like, you know, stress management. And then even after, you, you know, I'd have other jobs that were physically demanding. And so in my opinion, it was like, I should maintain a certain level of fitness to be able to make my life easier. I mean, I have had people literally go, Hey, I need to learn how to gym so I can be stronger than what it takes for my job. So my job's not so hard. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Like it's, it's good for you in so many ways, but at least your job won't suck as bad. Right. And, you know, I've been a personal trainer. I've had jobs where I felt like it was a part, it was a necessity for the job, but then even, you know, when money's not involved or a job, like, you know, I'm not worried about picking up heavy stuff for work or, you know, defending something or whatever. It's something I would still do. And I've talked to people, you know, I've been very fortunate of like the circle of professionals that I get to interact with because they, you know, it is about self-development and reading books and, and ingesting information, comprehending it, and then figuring out how to apply it. And one of those things is having the mentality of, you don't have to love what you do. Right. And, and I don't agree with the whole, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. I love the gym, but as a personal trainer, I worked like I I was working. Right. Um, It doesn't mean I hated it, but I was still working. However, there is something unique whenever you think about, I had a, I had a job where I installed internet and I just really did not enjoy it. I was outside. You would end up in really weird situations. People would get promised things. And then I was like, that is not deliverable. I don't what. And then of course, you know, I I was the person there. So, you know, you take it. I hated that. And so the question that I was asked pretty recently was if you had all the money in the world and all the resources that you could ever need, right? Like everything was just peachy. Would you still do what you're doing? And so in that case, it would have been a very quick, like, no, I'm barely doing it for money, quite frankly. Right. Like I'm just hanging in there till I find the next thing. Where as a personal trainer, if I was a personal trainer and I had my own gym, right, uh, I, I very much think that it would be something that I would do for free if I didn't need money, because I, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like I, love, I love talking to people about nutrition and, and exercises and stuff, but I also acknowledge that I'm a bit intense because somebody will be like, Hey man, like, what do you think about drinking water? I'm like, well, and then it's this whole plethora of, I feel like I need to tell you everything. And then people are like, I'm just never going to go to the gym. That's, that's the easier option. And so whenever I brought up the whole job or a hobby, it's like, for me, the gym, I think is, it's, I could call it a hobby. It's something I I really enjoy doing. I, I, I'll do it for the rest of my life, but it's also, it's been a job. 
you know? Yeah. So I'm like, is it still a hobby at that point? And I didn't ruin the gym for myself. That was always my fear. Have you heard that before? Of like, I don't want to do something I love because I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. And I, I've kind of, so I did for a little bit want to pursue art. Like I did AP art in high school and was like, I, maybe I'll go to college for that. But then kind of that thought of, I don't want to ruin it where like I'm on deadlines or because mainly you go into graphic design at this point, it's very hard to be like a studio artist. And all of that just felt like it was going to suck all the fun out of it. I also like did some art shows and stuff and the feedback I got, it was valid if I was going for like a traditional style, but I didn't care. Like it's not what I was there. Like if they wanted to help me with technique, cool. But if you tell me there's too much black, it's because I intentionally like put too much black. Uh, I, I just didn't want to deal with that long term and kind of ruined the freeness of it because that's what it felt like for me. So then, you know, I went the route that I did and did business. And while I was in school, I was working at places that I loved before I worked there. I won't name them, but they were really cool companies. Uh, and by the end, you end up hating it. You're like, fuck this place. I, I do not like how it works on the inside. And then you go to the next place like, oh, I really like this place. I'm going to like working there better. And then it turns into the same thing because it's ultimately you're not falling in love with the job itself it's just like the image of what it could be or what you think it is mm -hmm. it's really hard to see things for what they really are and we all want money because people say things like money can't buy happiness but that's that's bullshit like you you can buy, you can buy peace sti like stability yeah which helps well, you you can buy temporary happiness because happiness is fleeting anyway, right? It's just an emotion, but it's also, you know, the real thing that we all want if we have a lot of money. And I'm learning this recently is even if you're multimillionaire, right? Like, let's say, you know, you have a profession where you're like a psychologist, a doctor, somebody that, you know, they have to do a lot of schooling and it's a skill set that pays well, right? If you don't know what to do with that money and you don't know how to play the game, you're still only as rich as paycheck to paycheck. I'm not saying that the, like, it doesn't matter if you're lower class, middle class, upper class, what we want and what we all feel inside, whether we acknowledge it or not, is that we were not put on this earth to work a job so that we could retire for maybe a decade and die. None of us were meant to do that. And I think a lot of people, whenever quarantine happened, got a taste of like, what do I do with all this time? Like, yeah, holy, sh like, holy shit. I spend like 50 hours a week working and then there's like a bunch of bleed over stuff that like turns it into 60 hours a week right where all this time is devoted to like a company or a thing that like you don't even care about other than the fact that it provides money so you know i think i my mindset has shifted that real wealth is time like your ability to do whatever you want with your time but yeah. then you you have to realize that even if you had all the time in the world right if, if somebody two years ago was like here you go sam you never have to work again you have whatever you want here's all your resources I still would have been unhappy. And this is honestly why I think I quit uh, some of the hobbies I'm going to bring up to you so that you understand the, the quitter thing that I, I've, I feel like I've identified. But if you can't enjoy the journey and it's only about the destination, you're going to hate your life because once you get to that destination, it's going to be about getting to whatever the next yeah, thing is. Yeah, you'll just move it down <laughs> the line. And I think a lot of times too, we try to monetize things that we're spending our time on, which some of it's natural, like, you put a lot of effort towards something, you might want to get some payback and maybe that's money. But like, I, I recently got into ceramics and made a bunch of little things for family over the last holiday. And 
they liked it. It was fun for me. I, I really enjoyed like trying a new medium and fucking it up a few times. It was cool. Uh, I didn't think anything else of it, but I had a few people be like, oh, why don't you open an Etsy store? Why don't you do like a side business? And the instant gut feeling was like, ah, no, <laughs> I, I like to do the work strictly like for me. And I just feel like it would take kind of the, cause it's relaxing to me to like hyper focus on one little thing. I don't want to also think about the 20 other orders that I have rolling in or get sucked into making the same thing, whatever's doing well. And I think just kind of removing that need to make money from what you're, like you said, like we're not put here just to make money and just accepting I'm going to fuck around with this clay for two hours and call it a waste, call it a good, you know, use of time, whatever, but it was fun. And maybe I'll have something cool. Maybe I will have a weird little shattered pile of clay. I, I do think you have a good point. So I think it's all about what do you want? So in your case, you want the freedom of whatever I want to do with the ceramics I'm going to do. And that's it. Like there is no, there's no input from anybody making you have to do something with ceramics. But like for me on my own, I was learning quite a bit of stuff and I was, I was doing fine at the gym, but it was just messing around with stuff because I I guess it was my hobby. Right. Or, Oh, Hey, like I wonder, but when I really shifted in terms of the gym and my my hobby became very uh, I mean night and day difference was I entered a realm where I was like okay I'm going to be a personal trainer and I had to learn how to teach people how to gym and teach people how to do stuff which I for a while there thought like I just wasn't good at teaching people because there would be times where like goals weren't being met and I was like you know how much of this is on me how much is on other people and you know whatever but the amount of knowledge that I have for the gym now is because I had to learn how to teach it And there are people that tell you, if you want to master something minimum, you need to have the idea of a thousand hours. Like there needs to be a thousand hours, like legitimately put into whatever it is, hobby, skill set, you know, whatever. But the other part of it is most of us figure out at least a general idea of how we have to learn something and and how we retain it. and, And then like by doing it, we apply it and we can kind of sharpen it. As soon as you have to teach someone that doesn't learn or like take it in the same way, Whereas like someone's, I, I, even now people would be like, yo, dude, have you ever tried this? And if I'm like, okay, I, I haven't, I immediately am open to it because it's exciting. Like, oh crap, something new. Yeah. Most people, I don't think feel that way, right? Like this is a chest press and they're like, oh fuck. Like, I don't know what that <laughs> means. It sounds horrible. But because you have to figure out different ways and different mindsets of how the gym is approached, it made me grow as a, as a person and made my hobby become even more fulfilling. And so it's kind of like, you know, with the ceramics that that was kind of like a fun thing for you to do, right? Like it's a part of the, it's a, it's a, it's a side story or a side mission to, to art, art, right? And I think another thing that I kind of thought of during that is it gives you a safe place to fail. Like it's something you're trying to get better at, but like, you're not completely dependent on it. uh, Most of the time, So you can try new things and just explore like in the gym or with art or whatever it is, there's not any super strict rules. Like you're allowed to kind of try new things. That's kind of the whole point of hobbies. So hopefully it's also getting you more comfortable with that feeling of like that didn't work out and then going, well, all right, learn for the next time. I will figure that out or move on to something else. Yeah. And 
I'm sure if you wanted to, you could take it to an extreme and be like, well, if you fail at the gym, you could get really, really hurt. Okay. If you're not being discretionary about your skill set level, if you've never, if you've never walked a mile in your life, you shouldn't get on a treadmill, bump it up to 12 miles an hour and then sprint until you vomit. Like, and yeah, you shouldn't eat clay. It's not good for you. <laughs> since when? Um, but, you know, that was one thing that was interesting is when I was younger, I didn't really know anything about nutrition. I knew that protein helped build muscle and I should drink water. But at that time, I just drank Mountain Dew, which ironically, not on purpose, but I've had a I've always had a gym shirt that says Mountain Dew on it. Yeah, it's so comfortable, so comfortable, but it's just, you know, it would be way cooler to be able to be like, yeah, it reminds me of, of a, of a different time when, you know, uh, I, I just drank Mountain Dew all the time and all the sugar and the, blah, blah, blah. but the reality is it just ironically happened. I thought you were going to say you're like on the treadmill chugging a two liter of Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh, there's a joke somewhere where it's a picture i'm sure it's just randomly in social media land but it's like somebody uh, the the assumption you have is they took the picture and they had just walked up to like an elliptical and they're like some jackass put uh water in the pringles holder uh for the yeah i mean that's it's what like, i use I it for about that. <laughs> yeah pringle well and there's usually two so one for the pringles and one for the mountain dew or you know whatever got a carbo load or whatever <laughs> i don't know what you would call that I feel like you're going to have a bad time if you're eating Pringles and you're drinking Mountain Dew and exerting yourself on a treadmill. Shaking up and down. Yeah, that's not going to go well. Call it the Mountain Dew cleanse. Um, (laughs) So with all that being said, a few things that I've learned recently is, you know, how are you supposed to differentiate between I quit something because it wasn't for me or I quit something because I didn't want to commit to it, right? Or maybe I didn't believe I, I was good enough for it or that I was capable or whatever. And one of my self-sabotaging pieces, I I don't know how to phrase that right. One of the things that would cause me to self-sabotage is I actually thought I was stupid. Uh, And I would literally have situations throughout my life where I'd be like, I'm not that dumb. Like there was just examples where I was like, I'm not that dumb. And sometimes it would just be like a silly situation or there would literally be just a different frame of, of thinking, right? I was like, okay, cool. So maybe I'm not the smartest, but I don't think I'm the dumbest in the room. But in my brain, I was like, you're stupid. And I had to, I had to sit down and kind of identify where that came from, which was a really great time. Um, I'm you know, sure. You, you should, yeah. yeah, you should, you should definitely just deep dive into those things because uh, super great time. Like Disneyland, nothing on it. What I figured out was more subconsciously probably than consciously, I felt and thought I was stupid, but I wasn't like aware of that just playing in the background. And so music is something that I, I, you know, singing and playing instruments, like I have stage fright for whatever reason. I kind of think I know where that started, but it's um, probably four different times in four different ways. I've tried to enter the realm of music and I made it less than a month. And it, it was literally two things. One I didn't understand the difference between hyper-focusing on the destination and me being an impatient uh, Aries, as, as the kids would say. Uh, I just wanted to get there now. The more I've been focusing on enjoying the journey, 
of course I have goals and of course I have a destination that I want to arrive upon. But quite frankly, it's like, if I don't make it the first try, who cares? I'm enjoying the journey. So of course I'm going to keep trying. Like failure is just going to be a, a learning experience. You know, one of the things was if in the back of my mind, I'm going, man, you're too stupid to learn this on your own. And hey, you're too poor to find somebody that can teach you how to do it. I would be like, well, what's the point? And I didn't realize that that's pretty much what I think was happening is that. And I just didn't force myself to have discipline. Yeah. I experienced the same thing. Like I, you have to join band in fifth and sixth grade where I grew up or band, choir, orchestra, something. And my mom had an old clarinet. So I was like, sure, decisions made doing clarinet. Sounds great. It's like a recorder, but sounds better. It's going to be good. Shiny, right? It was an old clarinet's wood. Yeah. They're made out of wood. They are. Yeah. It was an older one. So it was more dull than shiny and the top would fall off all the time because the little cork didn't go in. It was literally like my mom's 20 year old uh, clarinet. So I just chose it because it was convenient and I didn't want to sing and I didn't want to like figure out a string instrument. And it was an awful first year, but I made it through like I had to carry that sucker home every day. And then somehow my band director was like, you're so, so good at this. You should play bass clarinet. And I was like, uh, sure. I don't know what that means, but you complimented me and that's all it took. And that thing was like 60 pounds and I walked to school. So I did not take it home. It just became pure laziness of like, this is no longer worth it. I am not going to practice it. Not that I was practicing that much before, to be honest, some fifth grade, but yeah, I just left that sucker home. And then eventually it was like, yeah, I'm not doing that in junior high or high school. It's not for me. In fifth, in fifth grade, they gave you a 60 pound. Yeah. Yeah. Weapon. I feel like I was trapped into that. Cause that's a real way to get bullied is walking home with a giant thing. You can barely pick up. Uh, I also, I also feel like you could have gotten like jacked. It mostly would have been your, your legs, but I feel like your arms from picking it up, putting it down. I don't know if anybody would have bullied you because you'd have been like, what motherfucker? Well, like, I'm pretty sure my parents got me like a little rolly thing, which did not help like my image. So I was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not fucking taking it home at all. But yeah, it's the same thing of just wanting to learn music sort of, and then not really caring enough to do it. Cause I did it with an electric guitar too. I learned Freebird, And then I was like, never again, it's going to sit in that corner forever. And then when I was like a preteen, it was a ukulele. And I was really excited. It was super cool and hipster back then. Uh, learned Island in the Sun and then was done with it. Never touched it again. I don't know. It, it's weird, right? I know why I have a fascination with music. I mean, I, I'm one of those people every single day. I'm either trying to play it in my head or I'm listening to it. Another one, I, I definitely just straight up, like I tried to force function and try to beat the fear and beat the doubt. But again, at the time, all the times that I tried, I still, so, so me changing as a human being, like there are things that I'm going to have to go back and try again, because it's like, well, you're kind of unlocking doors, right? You're, you're having a way better understanding of yourself and your, your actual functionality. So like one thing is, I know everybody has emotions, but I am like an emotional person who spent, I mean, up until maybe the last like four or five years. And even now, like I'm still trying to figure it out. I was just stuffing my emotions away. Like, don't be too happy. Don't be, don't be too angry. Don't be too sad. Don't, don't be anything, right? Just be fucking neutral. 
And that's impossible, especially if you're like stuffing it in there and it's like just festering. And so stand up comedy uh, intimidated the crap out of me. And it's something that I I like to make people laugh. And as a goofy ass kid, I, I made people laugh all the time, like all of the time. And even as an adult, people would suggest like, dude, you need to like hone in on this. Like you obviously enjoy making people laugh. You've got like this goofy, funny way of thinking about things. And I said something to one of my friends recently where I was like, you know, I used to be really funny and she was kind of like used to be. And I was like, I don't know if I spend time making fun of things like I used to. Uh, I take life a lot more seriously, just in a sense of what I'm choosing to think about. I wonder if like being funny used to be a form of escape because I don't rely on it like I used to. Um, However, I do like being goofy and I do like being silly but I also hate being on stage and I don't like the idea of turning it into work of trying to write it down and whatever. Cause I would say funny stuff and people would be like, dude, that's a good one. And I'd be like, I don't know what I said. Yeah. Like how do you recreate it? Because I think a lot of people like stand up, you have to work at, you can't just be funny and then walk on stage and perfectly like execute it. It is learning a process, like building stories, something that's repeatable, like you said. So you would have to like take the time to really devote to it, which is the hard part of like something that's part of your personality. Yes, it could totally translate, but you have to put the work in and figure out if it's worth it. Not only, so all the greats went through this, all of them, Uh, old school, new school, all of them. You have to come up with jokes. You should probably practice them, but you know, fuck it. Sometimes you do it live. You would have to go on stage and literally like one by one, you would be testing jokes and you're going to get booed. You're going to get no response. You're going to get hateful. Some of them are going to land and then you use them again later and they don't like nothing happens. Right. Well, now, you know, if you make jokes, uh, you just get slapped in the face on live television, you know, and like it's it's super strange because you've got to have some courage, I think, to be a comedian these days not that that's like the only thing right like if you're not a comedian like life is good <laughs> right um but you know what i'm saying and so i knew that and i didn't have i didn't have the right motivation right and quite frankly you know again with the whole my mentality was more focused on the destination the destination was fucking horrifying i was like i literally said to to my best friend uh, one time Cause he, I mean, he was like, dude, like, I really want you to go do this. I, he even got me to the point where I was like, all right, F it. And I ended up on a stage and I, that was rough. Um, (laughs) But I was like, what if I, what if I fuck around and I end up being like Kevin Hart level? What if I'm, what if I'm like, you know, Dane Cook in his prime where like all of a sudden he blew up. He had multiple albums. I mean, even, even though he had tons of haters, he, he had a very successful career yeah. back then I, I mean I stopped following him after a while I so it was like I literally had this mentality about the destination being horrifying why would I work towards getting to to that you know and it's funny because people would say things like well you were in the marines like I'm sure you dealt with scary stuff there I was like a little bit different you know it's not like, the same <laughs> yeah no nobody's holding a contract over my head saying like well you said you were gonna do it Dance, maybe that's what dance. I yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what I need to do right go sign like a a very uh like looming kind of contract it's like you gotta do the thing well, but I, think- I, I mean I quit you know like I started it and it wasn't that I didn't want to do it I freaked out and I quit 
Well, and a lot of hobbies, if you go to like the very end goal, like musician too, you're going to end up on a stage if you're super successful. So you have to be okay with that. Like same with an artist, you have to have people critique your art or if you're making movies, people, you know, telling you it's shit or not doing well, whatever it's going to be. So any hobby, maybe like not knitting, you're not looking at knitting and going like, they're going to roast me hard for this fucking scarf. But a lot of hobbies, you can kind of do that whole, oh, the end is extremely scary. What if I actually get there and I get really good? I'm just going to save myself the trouble and not deal with that. Because I I was a very shy kid and teenager. So same on the music stuff. I was like, I don't really want to play music for anyone. So I guess it's either for myself or there's no point. And then eventually it was like, ah, I'll just listen to iTunes. It's fine. <laughs> so. It's a good point that you bring up, though, is it should be for yourself. Like, yeah. I, I've researched and read about and, and looked at, you know, how people utilize social media for branding and uh, utilizing it more for business. Um, and I've, you know, obviously 2008 Facebook, uh, you know, I would go on there and say silly stuff. It, it was a different, it was a different thing 10 years ago than it is now um, morphed and in, to different things over the years. Right. But it, it was never because I was like, you know what I would really like to post is like whatever reason it was always, what do people want me to say? <laughs> and something, something that shifts, some people, I think even at a young age, like accept this truth, maybe someone points it out to them and they have the awareness, but I always knew like, you shouldn't worry what people think about you and the criticisms and stuff yet. That's all I did. I mean, we all learn it in school, right? Uh, oh God, what did they think about my clothes? Oh God, what if I say the wrong thing? Oh God. If you get to a point where it's, it's not, you know, going around punching people in the face being like, I don't give a shit what you think about me. <laughs> right. Like that's assault, but different level but, of but, spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the whole concept of if life is happening for you, you should be doing things for yourself. And that doesn't mean you can't do things for other people, but it's about you. Like, what yeah. do you want? And I, I don't think it's always kind of not trained or taught however you want to look at it maybe not all parents or all schools are setting kids up to go do whatever you want to do like explore all these areas they're rightfully so in some ways concerned about like you do have to get a job and support yourself and then it's finding that fine line of like your self-identity and kind of moving into your own hobbies and what that means to you work-wise too like yeah I can support myself and also do this and then at the end, hopefully you figured it out, but it, it is kind of overwhelming. At least it was for like me in high school to be like, oh, I need to like be able to live on my own, but I kind of like this, but do I like it enough to make it a career? Probably not. And yeah, not an easy answer yeah, I mean, to that. You don't have to have a job that you love, but you definitely, you definitely should try to find something that you can tolerate and not hate. Might um, want to like ulti- it, yeah. It will ultimately... You know, the, the, the truth that I think I found, at least for myself, was we project what we're feeling onto our environment and the people in the environment and the reality of our perspective. And so I went through, it wasn't that I hated me as, an, as a whole person. It was, I really hated the things that made me feel certain things like, you know, certain shame, certain trauma, right? And then thinking like, oh, well, I didn't really have anything bad happen to me. Like I didn't have trauma. And it's like trauma, it, it's not, 
it doesn't have to be like the most extreme circumstance. I mean, trauma can come from you're five years old and someone's like, you're a stupid fuck. And your brain goes, oh my God, they're right. And then you have that in your brain and it festers until you're an adult. And then one day you address it. I mean, and, and it sounds silly, but it's like, that was a trauma that festered and got really, really bad because it never got dealt with and you didn't know how. When I, when I started realizing things like that, I didn't feel stupid anymore. I was like, oh my God, I'm just a normal human being. Like, holy crap. I was yeah. way more normal than I thought I was. And then you start to realize like a lot of the jobs I hated were because it would either make me have to deal with the projections that I didn't enjoy, that I was just constantly projecting. And ultimately I was in like a, what, like a negative feedback loop. But my point is, is that if you sit down, I, I think meditation is an important thing. And I'm the person that says that all the time and has yet to figure out how to meditate or make himself meditate. What I have tried to do that someone was like, see what happens. And it was kind of like a, what is it like, bet you won't, but it was like, sit with yourself for one hour. And like, you're not trying to meditate. This is not what it's about. It's sit there and, and be bored, get fidgety. And whatever you do, do not pull out your phone, turn that thing off. Don't pull out your computer. You're just stuck with yourself. And dude, things start to surface. I think a lot of adults lose their imagination. And I had like a, a wild imagination. That's why I was funny. It's because I would just come up with these weird <laughs> made up scenarios yeah. right but we lose imagination and and we lose the ability to harness the power that we all kind of have when we're born i think which is creating your reality and having the ability to like stretch the division because you uh, you can imagine yeah. something bigger than yourself right i feel like i trailed off and i lost well i think a lot hobby. of <laughs> trailing off uh, I think a lot of people like you grow up and then you take yourself more seriously so you don't want to joke around or think about the crazy things or you know you're too old for that you hear that phrase a lot but what I've kind of been reflecting on more is that it's better to be in touch with who you were as a child because that's kind of your truest purest form I'm not saying like go out there and draw with crowns on the wall but like do fun, stupid things. As long as they're not hurting anyone, like, I don't know, go do a dumb painting or play with chalk, something like that. And kind of looking for the same in other relationships, like having friends, partners, even family members where you can still connect to that inner child. Like you guys can be kids together and like have fun. is really healthy. Like it's not regressing. Like a lot of people kind of assume as long as you're still, you know, able to function as an adult, you should be able to you know, connect with yourself in that way. And maybe that's old hobbies you liked as a kid playing the recorder super loud. At your neighbor's house who yeah. did not invite you. <laughs> How did you get in here? Um, that's a weird horror movie uh, concept. So, so someone told, didn't tell me, they brought up a point. And the point was today you are doing things for the eight, like they said eight, but I, I always picture like the, the seven-year-old uh, I guess I like odd numbers if, if I'm just being real. Um, so I always picture the 70 year old and the seven year old. And it's interesting because 70 year old me, I think is going to be a kooky, funny guy. Uh, I think in the direction I'm going now, unless things get really, really bad, right? Like if things go full Mad Max, uh, I don't think I'm going to be anything but mad. Um, and maybe Max, <laughs> or maybe that'll be my name. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that'll probably change a person. Um, a bit, but I, yeah. I picture 
I picture at the rate I'm going that I'm not going to let life callous me to a point where I'm just like waiting to die and I like, hate everything. Make you bitter. Yeah. But then there's the whole kid side of me that, you know, I had to acknowledge at one point where it was like, dude, that kid is still inside of you. Like whether you, you want to believe it or not. And what I did, I think as a defense mechanism, I shoved that kid deep, deep down into a, a, a bottomless pit. It was like a void. And when you start having conversations with yourself, as if you're talking to the kid version of you, you'll feel stuff like without a doubt. I mean, at first you're going to feel like weird, maybe stupid. You're going to feel, you're definitely going to feel silly, right? Because, Oh, this is, this is awkward. But then you realize like that kid's still there. There's something to like a point to be made though, is just like you were saying, that doesn't mean, you know, you start wearing like, Lion King all the time or whatever, right? Like you're not just wearing Disney clothes because you're like, I'm a kid again. But attacked. Yeah, I mean, you know, in today's day and age, uh, it really doesn't matter. Like I wear Mountain Dew shirts, like who cares? But my my point is is like you're not gonna go play at the jungle gym all the time. You do have responsibilities like providing for yourself, right? Yeah. And so you do have to be the adult, right? because current day you is, you know, whatever age, like, let's say you're 30, the adult that you are, does still have to keep that child in check. Just like if you t- try to talk to like the 70 year old version of you, maybe they can help keep you in check because 70 year old me is like, bro, I mean, I can see you living to be 120, but like, you know, you, you need to realize that sometimes I still feel scared by the, the thought of dying, even though I, I know what I believe and I know what I, I think about death. It's just the, the part of the brain that's like survival, survival, survival. It's terrified because it's like, well, don't we die? But I don't think I'm my brain. And I also know I'm not my body. These are things that I'm borrowing for the time being. Right. Well, and so and, it's natural it's like to be a, scared of it. Yeah. But it's but it's a teacher. Right. Because it, it's so easy to just sit there and like scroll through TikTok. And what's funny is that half the time, I think if you ask a person of like, what was the last video you just watched? And they're like, oh, dude, I don't know. I blacked out like four hours ago. My thumb just does this on its own. You know what I mean? And and so sometimes I get hyper-focused on trying to have the illusion of control. And, and I and I want to find balance. And and I think balance will create peace. But you know, if you're if your reality of chaos, which is everything is changing, sometimes fast, sometimes slow, you're gonna have a bad time. And sometimes things can be balanced and it can be okay and you don't have to resist that it's not chaos yeah Um, and i and i think at the end of the day that's what i was realizing is i was resisting the truth of me as a person because i was worried about not letting people down what do people think about me like i i thought all sorts of fucked up horrible things about myself there's it's still kind of there but i'm practicing not thinking that right and i know and i know that i'm not the only one and i think that's why i'm able to like kind of say this and i'm not worried about putting it on the internet i'm sure i'm sure part of that is like i'm like no one's listening to it right no one no one actually right uh, no one's gonna we tell to ourselves <laughs> but even if they did you know let's say there was a million people that listen to this there might be one person that needed to hear it from me and they could have heard it from anybody I don't know. I mean, do you ever think about that? Like the people that they said something and it stuck with you forever? Yeah. And you probably will never know. And that's it. Maybe you were the bad guy in their story or the one that helped them 
get over it. But I think like in general, you're constantly working through that stuff. No one is just like perfectly balanced. And for me, it was, you know, growing up, developing some childhood hobbies, then going, I don't got time for that. I need to make money and get a job and, you know, all that shit, put yourself through college work, all of that. And it kind of falls away. And you're like, I guess I'm an adult now. Super boring. I'm just going to work till I die. And then eventually you get to a state where it's a little more balanced and you're like, oh, I can do things I enjoy again. Cool. And for me, it was like a whole new outlook on it. There was less pressure for it to be perfect or how much time I needed to spend on it. It was like, oh, I can just doodle or, you know, paint something and feel good about it or throw it away. It's fine. I used to allow the opportunity for strangers or people that I knew to like read stuff that I wrote. Part of me, I think just wanted to share a piece of me. I think, I think sometimes some of us end up in the trap of like, there's a feeling of desperation to connect yeah, and this feeling of like, no matter how hard you try or whatever, but you can connect and you should connect with yourself first. That That's well, the only way. Right. It makes it easier to connect with others when you're connected with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I lean into the whole thing of like, as you learn to love yourself better and better, you learn to love the people you love already better, strangers better, right? But, um, you know, like, I was just joking in my head. I was like, oh, well, I want to learn how to play guitar, but I don't have any money to buy a guitar. And I was like, bro, if you go on Facebook Marketplace or like Craigslist, someone's like, please, God, get rid of this fucking guitar. Like, I don't want it. Because they did the same thing. <laughs> they got a guitar and they aren't going to use it. Yeah. Or, or it's like something as simple as like, dude, you know, uh, I love playing guitar and I have this guitar. I need to get some money off of it, but it's like someone uh, like in an old relationship gave it to me. Like, I don't want it anymore. Yeah. Like it, it's the craziest things, but it'll end up in your lap for like one seventh of that. That was like a really weird fraction. <laughs> one, one, one billionth of, uh, <laughs> you know, what a normal uh, guitar would be. And so maybe, maybe it's time. You know, maybe it's time to uh, spread my wings, crash and burn a couple of times and learn how to make Kanye beats, you know? Um, I'm going to find you like a heavily used banjo that only has like two strings. <laughs> I'm, o- I'm only going to learn how to play one song. <laughs> That's all I And that's from like some kind of like messed up. Deliverance. Uh, yeah. yeah. Got a pretty mouth. <laughs> so dark. It's fine. Um, dude, last thing. This is a long episode. Deal with it. Um, last thing. I do think that it's it's real to talk about, like, even doing this podcast. We went into it not knowing what we're doing. I feel like even 10 years from now, after we've perfected the art of being on a podcast, we're still going to be like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, no. we're just figuring it out as we go, right? But, I mean, we, we've honestly hit a place where we haven't hit a year yet. Uh, I was about to say, I think we're technically going to release this on the one year anniversary. <laughs> probably should research that. Perfect. We we probably so, should have known that going in, but this proves our point. Look, <laughs> look, man, this has been quite the change of seasons, okay? And we're just trying to <laughs> make things survive. happen. Yeah, we're trying to keep things going as we figure it all out. Uh, hopefully people can respect that and so my point would be there is plenty of work to be done to improve ourselves within this hobby I would say it's a hobby yeah Um, but I would like to develop you know more skill set 
and I mean, we have, we have things coming up that are definitely going to expose us to new mindsets and, and individuals within the realm. Right. And where I think we are about to have just a, a natural shift in how we, we perform and flow within the podcast I don't think I would have changed anything that we've had before because there, there have been episodes where I'm like, man, I could have done better or it's obvious. I was thinking about a bunch of other stuff or, you know, whatever I'm tired. And then there's other times where it felt like it flowed phenomenally, you know? And so looking at it pretty much since we started as a thing that like, we're doing it because we want to, of course I want to get better. If people are listening to this and, and they, and they enjoy it, I would like to make something of value, right? I, I, I know that if people just want filler, it's everywhere. I, I mean, turn on the TV, turn on the radio, turn on the computer, turn on your phone. It's all just mostly quick spurts of entertainment. So not that I want to stand out so that, you know, there's money involved or anything like that. It's like, I would like to stand out as being able to see over time our improvement. Yeah, like a and, progression. And, yeah. And so, you know, being a podcast that's called Friends of Failure, I joked that like maybe it should be Friends of Failing, where it's like we're more about failing being acknowledged for what it's worth as a learning tool and a natural mechanism of a journey to mastering something. You know, if you have yeah. to do a thousand hours to get okay at a guitar, there's no way a thousand hours were good to go you know or like perfect we're building our thousand hours in a failure on recorded audio we're not close (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we've got time guys if we have a thousand hours to get this down we've got time yeah like yeah 10 more years (laughs) god we try to speed up the process by doing an episode every day oh yeah one of us wouldn't make it no yeah someone would quit real quick rightfully so that's a lot <laughs> i like how neither one of us it's like i'm not gonna say it's you and i'm not gonna say it's me i feel like it's a fair game for either yeah because that, that's a big ask <laughs> we, we end up making it through because we're both just too fucking stubborn to be the person that's like all right i quit it would just Especially be like after <laughs> us going after calling myself out. <laughs> oh wow like the the whole concept of the mad hatter right is that they were around mercury or whatever wasn't it like the whole thing of like a thermometers or something back in the day yeah yeah and they would they would get like mercury poisoning we just get podcast poisoning i was waiting to see where that went but yeah i like that the radio waves slowly degraded our brains i don't know i'm actually just eating capsules of uh mercury Mercury. yeah (laughs) Pretty, pretty sure that'd kill me instantly if i was taking a capsule of mercury yeah well uh here we are you already know what it is. I really think we need intro music for Megan's Corner. I don't know what it would be. Okay, so that will be something we work on. This is like workshopping in real time. So we'll work on a theme song for Megan's Corner. And then uh, you need to do it like a, uh, what, Sesame Street? Like today's episode was brought to you in part by, and then... The letter A. <laughs> or ask. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> Wow. Um, every, like, we have to figure out every letter is like swear word. Oh, man, I get dark. I'm just going to get a recorder. And then whenever you like say Megan's Corner, I'll go like super annoying. Yes. 
And then everyone turns off right before we tell them how we're on social media and where to email us. And it's perfect. Do you, do you have that clarinet still? The the one that was your mom's? It's somewhere, but yeah. Do you, do you think you could make reasonable sounds with it or would it just be ear piercing suffering for everyone? Probably some squeaking would come out and that's about it. Yeah. I don't think, nice. I don't think it'd be good. Ears would bleed. It's not worth it. Yeah. Okay. Well, stay tuned for one of the times when we figure it out i'll learn an instrument their harmonica <laughs> you're full on playing drums just for the Megans. Yeah. um Big but uh no but for real uh we are on social media we are uh, at friends of failure and then you can email us at friends of failure podcast at gmail.com uh and tell us the hobbies you failed at let us know you, you want to hang on you know what if this is probably our one-year episode you you want to know what if you're listening to this you want to you want to know what i really want from are you me? gonna threaten them again <laughs> no what i what i really really want would be like i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and pretend to be naive to the fact that like our social accounts don't have tons of stuff that are like content right in terms of like me being goofy and, and making stuff that's funny or talking points about failure and that would be a really beneficial thing for everyone including us what would you even want to see on social media if you saw us every day or every other day or whatever what kind of social media content would you want to see when you're scrolling through your feed i know we're all scrolling through our feed i know we are even the people that are like i don't use social media you're using it we all know it <laughs> there's gonna be that one person that's offended I, don't, I haven't had a facebook since i deleted it in 2009 and they're like commenting on our facebook <laughs> I had to make a Facebook to tell you how stupid. Um, no, but for reals, these guys, like, I don't care. I'm just going to start making content. Because content. you want to know the reality? If you start making content and people hate it, they're definitely going to comment. So I don't if, know if, if we want to go with that. <laughs> Dude, I've heard that all the greatest people, uh, no matter what it is, right? Like athletes, musicians, actors, businessmen, teachers right you know you're doing something right when you have like a healthy amount of haters you can't dude if everyone loves you then you don't have enough people paying attention to what you're doing i don't know i feel like jack black has gotten pretty far and i've not heard of a single Bro, he, hater he he's got haters no way nah. dude the his haters literally are the people that think that he sold his soul to the devil and here's the deal i, I don't you might I don't, have <laughs> Well, so there's a moment that people have pointed out to me before where like they're not they're not like I hate Jack Black. He's, you know, sold a soul. But there's like a moment where his career changed. Uh, and I can't remember what it was, but it's kind of like, look at him. He's functioning. And then all of a sudden it was like, like all of a sudden he's got the voice of an angel and he can play guitar like, you know, he's an angel. And then he had like this crazy movie career. I mean. I don't know. He even he even makes like the, the weirdest things on social media very sporadically. They're amazing. Yeah. It, it's not even that it's amazing, but like we all love it. Yeah. Why so do we our, love it? Should be our goal. Just be so weird that people love it. You, I'm just going to plagiarize Jack Black. <laughs> Step one, I got to gain some weight. Stay tuned for next time when Sam tries to uh anyway uh yeah so there's social media there's our email did you already say the email yeah yeah one more time for the people in the back no 
friends um, of failure podcast at gmail.com there it is and then all people hear is i set off fireworks inside the house not again you can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah i'm still trying to recuperate from the last time which was like seven years ago <laughs> cool man well i really enjoyed it i hope anyone out there listening enjoyed it thank you for tuning in and you already know what it is part two life is happening for you not to you so i don't know like find a hobby (laughs) i like that i don't know go do something fun if it's not i'm stronger than you it's i'm wiser than you i'm more loving than you i'm more tolerant than you I'm more sophisticated than you. It doesn't matter what it is, but this constant competition is going on. This is the secret. This is the secret. You can't make a mistake.